Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we continue the series, This Changes Everything. For more information, please visit us at communitychristian.org. Also, if you need prayer, we invite you to text PRAY to 630-793-6399. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 930, 11.15 a.m. and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. All right, good morning, community. How are we doing? Yeah, a little extra energy, a little particular strong energy coming from right there. I love it. That's right. <laughs> I want to say welcome also to everybody who's joining us digitally, joining us online. Good to have you guys with us as well. I will tell you what, here's where we're going to start. Um, this is an apple. And you can make some amazing things, uh, some delicious things from apples, right? I mean, you got applesauce, uh, apple pie, apple... Apple juice, apple jacks. I don't know. Does apple jacks come out of there? I don't know. Maybe, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I'll tell you what. But the pinnacle of all apple-related products has to be this, the apple cider donut. Are you with me? Ooh, man. I know. Like, look at I, There's like nine of them. I feel like I could eat all of those just right now. And, it, and it's this time of year that the apple kind of becomes kind of front and center, which is actually probably, it's probably my, my favorite fruit. Uh, but you can't just grow these anywhere. To grow a good apple, you got to have the right soil and the right climate. It needs to be just right. It needs to be sunny, but not too sunny. It needs to be warm, but not too hot. It needs to be wet, but not too wet. But if you get the soil and the climate and everything just right, then I'll tell you what. Mm. That's a good apple right there. I'll tell you what. Anybody, anybody else like apples here? Yeah? Can you catch an apple, though? You may have to help her out. There you go. All right. Anybody else? Oh, wow. Way back there. Can't, should we go for it? Here we go. Thank you. Go ahead, take a bite. See what you think. Is that a good one? Yeah, those are a good one. Golden delicious. All right. There you go. Now, a uh, an apple tree, though, an apple tree can produce lots of these things, right? I still got apple in my mouth. It can produce a lot of these. But if it's planted in the wrong climate, in the wrong soil, not only will it fail to produce, it won't produce any apples at all. And pretty soon it'll die and actually kind of wither up, and, and it actually just needs to be disposed of. You see, what the apple tree is planted in, where the apple tree draws its nutrients from, what the apple tree is actually connected to, determines the quality and the quantity of the fruit. Okay, where are we going with this? We're a lot like this apple. We are a lot like this apple. What we are connected to will determine the quality and the quantity of the fruit of our lives. And so we need to be careful about what are the things that we are actually connected to. So the question I want us to ask today, I just want to start with this. What are we connected to? And more specifically, because we're people, instead of the what, let's just go with this. Who are we connected to? And why is this so important? Here's why this is important. Who we are connected to will determine what kind of fruit we produce in our life. Who we are connected to will determine what kind of fruit we produce in our life. We're, we're in a series. This is the third week in a series, This Changes Everything. We've been getting great feedback on this series. And I do think this is one of those series that kind of just, it tweaks your thinking about spiritual things just ever so slightly, but, but in such an important way that can change the, the kind of trajectory of where you're headed spiritually for a long, long, long time. And we started a week, two weeks ago, 
In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said this, this remarkable thing. He said, all right, the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And when Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near, what Jesus was saying is, listen, with me showing up here on earth, <clears throat> think about that. Heaven is now breaking through to earth. Heaven is breaking through to earth, which means that now what used to only exist in heaven now exists on earth, and that I want to give you access to eternal life. Not someday when you die, only, but right now, starting right now, I want to give you eternal life. And then he makes this invitation to anybody who wants it. And he says, who wants this kind of life that'll give you love, that'll give you purpose, and it gives you a hope? Let me just ask you that. Who is interested in that kind of life? Give me a little something. All right. Nicely done. And so then, here's what Jesus says. Okay, if you want it, here's what you have to do. Come follow me. You come follow me. Now, this invitation that Jesus offers us um, in, in the, is really to be a disciple. The Hebrew word for this is Talmudim. You can just say that after me. It's a Hebrew word, Talmudim. I'll give you a couple of these. Okay, Talmudim. And Talmudim actually is probably better translated apprentice. Apprentice. Because here's what Jesus didn't do when he said, come and follow me. He didn't just say, come and learn about me. He didn't just come and acquire some things and know some things about me. But instead, he said, come follow me. Because if you remember two weeks ago, we said, this is not about an in and out kind of Christianity. You check a box somewhere on a survey that says, I'm a Christian, and then all of a sudden, you're in the club. You raise your hand sometime, or you do the thing, and you're in, and you kind of get your boarding pass to heaven and wait for the heaven plane to show up when you die, and then you eventually get to go to heaven. That's not what it's about. Instead, what it's about is this right here. It's about being an apprenticeship with Jesus. And here's where apprenticeship is different. Please tune in on this part. An apprenticeship is both the knowing, the head part, and the doing with your hands. Knowing and doing. And, so, and that is what he invites us into. And, it's, and I challenged our staff, um, last week we had an all staff meeting, I said, you know what? I want us to begin to use this language throughout our church, apprenticeship with Jesus. And here's why this is important. Let me give you a little more on this. A Norwegian friend of mine said this to me, and it's just stuck with me. He said, whoever creates the language creates the paradigm, and whoever creates the paradigm creates the future. And basically saying, whatever language you choose to use creates the mental maps for how you think about things, which then dictates how you behave in the future. And I want us to think about what we do with Jesus as an apprenticeship, because it's about knowing and doing, head and hands. That's the mental map we have, and that'll change how you start to follow Jesus in the future. It's never about just kind of knowing a few things. It's not just checking a box and I'm in. No, it's constantly following him, knowing and doing. Are you with me on that? So we call it an apprenticeship, an apprenticeship with Jesus. Now, over the, last, uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at some things. But last week, if you remember, we invited people. We said, you know what? If you want to be an apprentice with Jesus, here's your opportunity to take a big step and say yes and be baptized. And across all of our community locations, we had, I don't know if you've heard this yet or not, we had 106 people who were baptized. Is that awesome? <laughs> and uh, we had at 65 right here at the yellow box. And uh, here's some of the highlights from last week. Truthful undo, 
That is good. I, I love being a part of this church. I'm telling you, I just love it. Now, here's the thing. So those people, all those people last week said yes to being an apprentice with Jesus, right? And then you, I, just a while ago, I kind of offered the same thing with some enthusiasm. said, yeah, that's what we're here about. We're here to be apprentices with Jesus. So for the next three weeks, what we discover is, okay, what now? I mean, specifically, if we're kind of taking on this new kind of relationship with Jesus, what now? What does it mean? One of the guys that's been a tremendous influence in a number of our lives is a guy by the name of Dallas Willard, and, and he writes on this topic, and here's how he actually ex explains the challenge. He says this, if I'm to be someone's apprentice, there is one absolutely essential condition. <laughs> I must be with that person. I must be with that person. Simply put, if we want to experience this eternal life that Jesus said, I'm coming to offer you, not just someday, but starting now onto into eternity of, of love and purpose and hope, if I'm going to offer you that and you want that, the prerequisite is you have to be with Jesus. You have to be with Jesus. To understand what that means, let's go back to Jesus' very first apprentices, his 12 disciples. When Jesus walked this earth, he invited them, okay, to be with him. He invited them to hang out with him. He invited them to, to do life with him. There, there's this verse in John chapter 3 in the New Testament um, that says, And Jesus spent some time with them. Talking about the disciples. And it actually comes from another Hebrew word, Hebrew word, which is diatribo. You can just try that one on, diatribo. Okay? And it's actually a composite of two different words, which is to rub and against. To rub and against. And it literally means that Jesus just spent some time, like, rubbing off on them. That's kind of a cool idea. Like, you hang out with Jesus, he kind of, a little bit of Jesus just kind of rubs off on you. Wouldn't that be good? I'll tell you what, do me a favor. If you're with somebody, you know, just lean over and kind of rub on them a little bit there. Just see? That's it. Yeah, there you go. Some of you are enjoying that a little bit there. I guess that's okay. All right? Yeah, that's diatribo. That's what he did. He, he spent time with them. So everywhere Jesus went, think about this. Wherever Jesus went, James, Peter, John, and the rest of them, they went with him. They ate with him. They traveled with him. They, 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 when they went and taught the crowds, he was with them. When they fed the 5,000, he was with them. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he was with them. That is apprenticeship. Apprenticeship is with somebody. Now, I want to make a quick distinction here. It's not being for somebody. It's being with somebody. And this is where we've got to be careful. I think in and out Christianity, you can go like, oh, I am for Jesus. No, 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 wrong question. Are you with Jesus? I think I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm, gonna, I'm running the Chicago Marathon on the 13th with, with my daughter, Amy, who's, who's here. And uh, 
Well, don't, don't, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's wait and see how we do, okay? Let's be real, all right? After the 13th, then you can give me a pat on the back if it goes well. Now, I've had friends, okay, and I've had other people who run the marathon. I went down there, and I was for them, right? I was cheering for them. Or I might even get online and on their app and see how they're doing, because I'm for them. That's one experience. It's going to be a fundamentally different experience on the 13th when I'm running with Amy, right? It's different being for somebody than being with somebody and doing it. You were tracking with me? So Jesus says, no, I want you to actually do the stuff with me. With me. That's what he's, that's what he's challenging us to. And so he gives us, and he kind of picks up on this metaphor again to explain the disciples' connection. And he says this in John 15. He says, listen, you're the vine, or I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, if you'll remain in me, with me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And here, he just doesn't, he doesn't, he just shoots straight. But apart from me, well, you just say it. You're going to do what? What's he say? Nothing. It's, it's not going to happen. And he's saying, I am the source of this eternal life that I want to offer you. Okay? Right here. If you long to see the fruit of love and purpose and hope in your life, you got to stay connected to me. You've got to stay connected to me. And here's why. Let's go back to it. Because who we're connected to will determine what kind of fruit we produce. Now, if you're a parent, you know something about apprenticeship on some level. Uh, I bet every parent here has had, had that moment when you realize your kid has been watching you uh, very closely, more closely than you realize, when all of a sudden they kind of blurt something out or say something out in public that maybe they only see, saw in private. Sound familiar? Okay. Sue and I were talking about this. Um, when our youngest, Caleb, I don't know how old Caleb was. He was probably, was he, was he 10? Maybe 10, something like that. And Sue's, Sue's driving, driving down the road. I don't know where it was. But driving down the road, and Caleb's in the car with her. And all of a sudden, Caleb notices a car in the next lane, and he points over, and he says, Hey, Mom, look at her. She's driving with her knees just like you do. <laughs> They're watching everything, right? They're watching everything. And, and now in some ways, they're watching and imitating things. And so as a parent, that can be kind of disturbing. It's a little frightening sometimes. But here's the thing. For us, this is actually good news. Because if we're watching and imitating Jesus the same way that our kids become like us, for us it's good news because we become like Jesus. We get to become like Jesus. That's an incredible reality. We get to begin to love the way he loves. We live the way he lives. But the staying connected part, okay... That's the hard part. I'm just kind of keeping it real. That's, that's where the challenge is. But if we do, if we do, if we can stay connected, we stay with, then we get to experience this eternal life of love, purpose, and hope. Now, part of me gets a little frustrated because the disciples, right? I mean, they had Jesus physically right there with him. It seems like that seems a little easier, right? They got to eat with him. They got to hang out with him. They got to talk with him. When Jesus said, remain in me, he, they were right there with him when, he, when all that went down. So he, they were always with him, physically with him. It seems to me like if Jesus was physically with me, it'd be easier for me to be an apprentice. Like this afternoon, I'm going to watch the Bears game, right? Bears and the Packers are playing. Uh, Packers. Bears and the Vikings are playing, right? And um, I know that whenever the Bears game is on, my son Josh is home from grad school interviewing for jobs. We're going to watch the Bears game together, okay? He, we're going to be with each other. I'm going to put on 
my, uh, my Gail Sears jersey. He's, gonna, he's got his uh, Walter Payton jersey. We're going to get some snacks, maybe order some loose pizza. We're going to watch the Bears game. We will be with each other. It's kind of cool. I love it. Now, wouldn't it be cool, though, if Jesus was with us, right, watching the Bears game? How awesome would that be, sitting on my couch, cheering for the Bears? I have an extra, I have an extra like, Khalil Mack jersey. I can give him my Khalil Mack jersey, <laughs> which kind of fits because, I mean, Khalil Mack is kind of like Jesus on the football field anyway, right? So, I, I mean, how awesome would that be? Because if he was there with me, I think it would be a lot easier to apprentice. Well, here's what's fascinating. As great as that sounds, believe it or not, Jesus has a plan to actually be with every one of us here and now in 2019 that's actually even better. This, this one kind of tweaked with me a little bit here. Better than, than, than being physically with us. And in order to understand that, in order to understand that, we have to back up uh, one chapter. We were in John chapter 15. I want to go back up to John 14. And here's what Jesus has to say. Jesus is getting ready to leave. The disciples are a little freaked out because they're going, oh, how's this going to work? You're not going to be around anymore. We're used to having you around, physically being with you. And here's what Jesus says to them. And he says it also to every one of us who want to be apprentices. Tune into this. I'm going to ask the Father to send you another helper, the Spirit of Truth, who will remain constantly with you. The world does not recognize the Spirit of Truth because it does not know the Spirit and is unable to receive Him. But you do know the Spirit because He lives with you and He will dwell in you. All right, I need you to work with me on this. Everybody, if you're interested in being an apprentice of Jesus, just go ahead and do this. This will help you. Put your hand on your heart. Just put it right here in your chest somewhere, right there. Okay, just go ahead. Got it? Right there? Okay, just hold it right there for a little bit. Jesus promises, check this out, that he would send the Holy Spirit to, look at this right here, remain constantly with you. That's what he promises. Jesus tells us that, yeah, I want you to remain in me, but first he promises, I'm going to be with you. And so this witness thing kind of goes back and forth. So he actually says, if you say yes to me, you want to be an apprentice, I, my spirit is going to come to life and live in, within you. And so following me, because that's what you're doing, I'm going to follow me, now is just paying attention to the guidance of me who's already with you. It's like he's actually, he actually, when I sit down to watch the Bears game this afternoon, guess what? Turns out he is, help me out, what? He's with me. He's with me. Now, here's the thing. Look at this next verse here. The Apostle Paul says this, and we are his children, and so God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, and here's the key word. What's this word right here? Prompting, prompting us. So what does the Spirit do? You can just do like this. The Spirit prompts us. Okay? You can go ahead and put your hand down. The Spirit prompts you. The Spirit lives inside you, and what He does is He will prompt you. And if you can find a way, we've got to find a way to pay attention to those promptings, that's how we, that's how we are with Jesus, that's how we follow Jesus. Because he's there, we just have to pay attention to the promptings. We just have to pay attention to those promptings. Okay, how do we do that? Let me give you a couple suggestions. Here's the first thing we have to do. We gotta be present. We gotta be present. Our primary goal as apprentices of Jesus is to learn to be in a constant state of awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit that's already within us. That's what it means to remain in him. 
to be aware of that presence no matter where we are, no matter what we do. Check this out. This is what a guy named Brother Lawrence decided to do. Brother Lawrence is a guy who lived in the 17th century. He decided he wanted to enter into a monastery. He goes into this monastery not to be a priest, not to be a monk, not to be a clergy or anything. He was just a regular guy who went into this monastery. They gave him the lowliest of all the tasks, which he proceeded to carry out and do for the next, next several decades. He was a cook and a dishwasher. A cook and a dishwasher in some obscure kind of monastery. But Brother Lawrence, and maybe some of you have heard this name, he became a master of what he called practicing the presence of God. Of practicing the presence of God. Because he decided early on that he would learn to do all of his even menial tasks with an awareness that God was within him. He would cook meals with God. He would wash dishes with God. He would scrub floors with God. And as the years began to roll on, people noticed something remarkable about this guy named Brother Lawrence. He, he, he like never complained about his life. And he seemed to have this profound peace. And when visitors would show up at this monastery, they would always search him out for spiritual guidance, which he gave. And then he began to write down, and he eventually wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God, which has is, which is influenced tens and hundreds of thousands of people over multiple generations. In fact, here's how he's, listen to these words here. This, these are, this is worth showing up for right here. The time of business. Think about this. You're, you're going to go to school. You're going to go to work tomorrow, right? Here's how he, he, how he dealt with it. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and in the clatter of my kitchen, while several other persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. He said, I, he said for me, I could be in the middle of a, of, of a kitchen and people are calling out orders and clanging pots and pans, but for me, I have that same kind of presence of God as if I was sitting in church having, having communion. And simply doing life with Jesus transformed this humble dishwasher into this remarkably sought-after spiritual guide whose writings are still impacting people today. One of the people he impacted, one of the people who read his stuff, okay, a couple hundred years later, was a guy named Frank Laubach. Frank Laubach picked up this book, Practicing the Presence of God. Laubach was this kind of this... This, this guy who was, he was a missionary in the Philippines. This goes back to the 1930s. He, he began to try to do this. He said, with that in mind, practicing the presence of God, he's, he tried to do this, that he wanted to be present to Jesus just one second out of every minute in his life. He was, if I could just be present with Jesus one second out of every minute, he believed that's how he could practice the presence. He tried it, and within four weeks, here's what he wrote. He said, I feel simply carried along each hour, doing my part in a plan which is far beyond myself. This sense of cooperation with God in little things is what has so astonished me, for I have never felt it this way before. I need something, and I turn around to find it waiting for me. I must work, to be sure, but there is God working along with me. And from this lonely kind of missionary post in the Philippines, God began to use this guy, Frank Laubach, because that was the turning point in his life. This guy established a literacy program that allowed 60 million children 
and adults to be able to read who couldn't read. He actually went on without any, ever having any official government post. He became a kind of a global statesman who traveled the world really promoting global peace and literacy. He today is still the only American missionary to ever be honored by having his image on a postage stamp. And what God was able to do through Brother Lawrence and Frank Laubach all started when they made this decision, I just have to be present, right, to the Holy Spirit that he's already placed within me, who's always with me wherever I go. He's going with me. He's with me, right? He's with me. I just have to be present to him and the promptings of the Spirit. That's what they got. Here's the second thing. Once you get that, you have to be present. Here's the second thing I'll give you. Then we just have to be intentional. Be intentional. Uh, William Paulson, in his book, the, uh, the Ways of Prayer, he said this, it's unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives. And here's the thing. What's going to happen, you're going to walk out this door, you're probably going to grab some lunch, maybe you'll watch the Bears game. At some, some point this evening, uh, school or work is going to come rushing at you. And, it's gonna be, and, and you're already, even though it's Sunday night, you're thinking about Monday morning. And then Monday morning, you're going to be bombarded by all kinds of activities, all kinds of responsibilities, all kinds of tasks, all kinds of to-dos. And, here's, and some of them are great things. But what they all will do is they will all threaten to distract you, okay, distract you, from the Spirit's prompting inside. And if, and if you get distracted from the Spirit's prompting, you're not going to be able to be with Jesus. You're going to miss this eternal life of, of, of love, purpose, and hope that he wants to give you. So that's what we have to be. So we have to be intentional about this. And that's why, I mean, every day we encourage you to go like, that's, that's why we do things like this. This journal is a way of me being intentional. This, this changes everything, journal. Why do we encourage you to pray? Because that's why you're intentional about paying attention to the promptings. Why, why do we encourage you to be here? Because it's a way of slowness. Down. Okay, let's be intentional about practicing the presence of God. Fasting. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January as a whole church. It's a way for us to intentionally practice the presence of God. That's something that I've been trying to do more recently, um, even in this journal. Like at the top of my journal, this is my journal here. At the top of my journal, I just, I kind of do this. All right, Holy Spirit, maybe you'll try this. Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, guide me today. And it's something new for me because it's like a way for me to acknowledge like, okay, I know you're here. Good morning. I want to start paying attention to your promptings. Guide me today. Does that make sense?